This is a podcast for today's woman, discovering a beautiful life as the keeper of her home. Hey girlfriends, I'm Kadisha and welcome to The Custom Life with Kadisha White. Have you ever discovered bitter waters? Well, I did recently tending to some plants, some monsteras, and in true Kadisha fashion, I found a whole word in there, <laughs> and I'll explain. So there was one large floor pot in particular that I inherited that I had been tending to, and I discovered that it had a tin paint can at the bottom. So this tin can served to elevate the plant on top of it. So that meant that if the plant was overwatered and overflowed the basin um, that was between the plant and the tin can, the excess water would overflow down to the tin can and cause the can to rust. And so inevitably, rusty water is what would feed the plant as the water got high enough. So I had been nurturing this plant for a good bit, trying to nurse it back to health before I discovered what was at the root. And then it made sense why the plant was struggling. So I cleaned it out, but I mean, I just thought that, that was so analogous in how the rust rubbed off and made bitter waters for the plant. And I mean, I thought, you know, bitterness for humans is the same way, isn't it? So I want to discuss cleaning out bitter waters. So we hear the term bitterness, but what does it really mean? How do we see it play out? Where does it originate? Well, bitterness is defined as, and I have the definition here, it's um, having a sharp, pungent taste or smell, not sweet. It's also defined as angry, hurt, or resentful because of one's bad experiences or sense of unjust treatment. And I mean, there's just so much bitterness in the world and in my own life too. I mean, I would say that I'm sweet now up close, unlike before where the bitterness could be literally felt from like a mile away. (laughs) But if I'm honest, there are still some dark corners, bitter corners um, in my life from painful experiences with race on an individual and societal level. Bitterness from my upbringing, from my mother passing, from a sense of unfair treatment in certain instances. So, I mean, my bitterness is valid. There's generally a valid root cause for any attitude or behavior. So, I don't want to pretend to have it all together like, oh, I'm not bitter anymore um, because, you know, there's still work to do. Um, And I also don't want to shame myself for still having work to do because that's just a valid aspect of our human condition. But Jesus in therapy work wonders, shameless plug, (laughs) because I'm certainly a work in progress. Um, But we don't have to stay there. Although I still have room to grow, I have experienced God's salvation and restoration over the last several years. You know, my eyes have been open to the pain and trauma that was poisoning my life, my thoughts, and all originating from the foundational roots. So I'm being healed, thankfully, and becoming better. In fact, I was able to recognize all that God has done recently when I came into contact with someone who was literally a replica of my younger self. It was like looking at 22-year-old me. She exuded the exact tense, palpable bitterness (laughs) as me. 
when I was her age. And I swear my heart grew seven times, first of all. It's like something clicked in me in the sense that I could understand her and love on her regardless. But also I could um, tangibly see the distance I've been carried by God um, just by looking at her and reflecting on where I am now. So I mean, in God's goodness, he's carried me for the last five years from just a deeply bitter disposition and attitude to now being refined and purified by him every single day. So um, as I was preparing to chat about this today, the Lord reminded me of an experience that really planted early seeds of bitterness. And that was by way of bitterness being seeded into me about my body at a young age. So I've spoken about the body being the temple and my own challenges with body image, um, but I want to share the specific memory. So I've always been, you know, a little curvy. <laughs> I was pretty developed from a, um, from like a young age, and that's just how the Lord made me. Um, I've learned to carry myself, but it hasn't always been easy to understand and love the way I am. Um, in high school, my took me out to eat of course meaning well as most do but unbeknownst to me they had planned to have the talk with me you know the birds and the bees talk and I bleeped it out because you know I don't want to put anyone on blast but you can read between the lines the birds and the bees conversation the conversation was so uncomfortable and because I was developed it was more of like a why are you so developed? Are you sexually active? Despite how many times I said no and tried to defend my honor, they just weren't hearing it and continued with the assumptions and accusations. So needless to say, I was offended and appalled, embarrassed, shocked, caught off guard, you name it. Um, and, you know, that experience really opened my eyes in the worst way. I mean, I became resentful toward them for saying that and basically accusing me of something that I wasn't doing. Um, I became ashamed of my body. It really corrupted how I viewed myself and really made me think in my young high school mind, oh my gosh, why am I so curvy? I must be a harlot. Like, wait, am I? For a long time, I carried that you know, lacking identity, I ended up becoming the very thing that I was desperately trying to reject and escape. Okay, cue bitter root judgments. Hello. <laughs> um, after high school, I ended up losing my virginity and just really struggled with my identity as a woman, you know, just lacking boundaries with my body, being at a boyfriend's house all hours of the night, sleeping over, you know, things are just bound to happen. Um, even becoming pregnant unexpectedly, um, it's interesting because in abstinence class in high school, I said I would wait until marriage and I meant it. I really wanted to, but I just didn't have the proper, um, boundaries and tools in place for that to be a reality. So I don't know if only I knew then what I know now, how wise it is to set boundaries. Young ladies, if you're listening, you might want to learn from my mistakes, <laughs> But cut to my salvation in 2015 and finally committing to um, wait until marriage in 2016, um, but still carrying the shame and old identity of literally of a harlot. I felt extremely self-conscious about what people would think about me because of my body, subconsciously feeling dishonorable because of my choices before Christ, 
Then on top of that, people in culture just really make women out to be thirsty, even if that's not even where their head is at. You know, Satan just has a way of perverting what God intended to be beautiful, huh? So being curvy and wanting to dress modestly, but wanting to express myself through my wardrobe as a creative person, I worked overtime to compose myself and dress modestly, to press my own guilt around my choices and what I thought to be people's assumptions of me. And so you can really see how that bitter seed that was planted, rather than a seed of identity, just poisoned how I showed up in the world and related to myself and related to others. It was a real battle. And just kind of as a side note, that's why the saying goes, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And that's not to say that I'm not responsible for my own choices, but bitter assumptions and words of accusation really muddied my understanding of myself and planted the wrong seeds. And I, you know, also chose the wrong path. But redemption is literally at the cross. By coming to Christ, my mind could be renewed and I could be given a whole new identity. You know, sanctification and mind renewal are both a thing. Oh my goodness. That's housekeeping. So the housekeeping tip of the day is to make heaven your home. So whether you're quarantined with family, living alone, homeless, maybe in temporary housing, whether you're miserable or in bliss about your current home, just bought a new home, or if any or all of that is being amplified as a result of COVID, remember that Matthew chapter 8 verse 20 says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. These were the words of Jesus. His living situation was not ideal throughout his public ministry, but he knew where his real home was always and will always be. So no matter your situation, in plenty or in lack, know that this world will fade away. So make heaven your home and keep your eyes on it. So for me, back to sanctification and mind renewal, that happened practically for me in quiet time. Um, and that's by way of God revealing both my old name and my new name. So old name in the spiritual realm before Christ and my new name now in Christ, basically what it meant in the spiritual realm. Now, before I share this, <laughs> let me give you this disclaimer. If you're not into heavenly spiritual things, this most likely will not have any profundity for you. It I mean, it might, but it may be tough to grasp, confusing, or even sound outlandish. But just know, this is how God operates. His ways are higher, and he doesn't reason the way humans do. However, he does speak to us in ways that resonate with us personally, and he just reveals deep mysteries. And I love him so much. <laughs> so for me, he literally revealed my new name, my new identity in Christ first, okay? Because I literally would have fallen out if my old before Jesus' name were first. And um, so he revealed this through teaching me one of his names. You know how God has many names, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Elohim, you know, Elihu, Sidkenu. So Jehovah Mekadashchem, which means the Lord our sanctifier. So Kaddish or Mekadishchem. My name is Kadisha, so there's K-A-D-I-S-H, and Mekadishchem has that within it. And then Isha, which is the Hebrew word for woman. So when Adam in Genesis first saw Eve and he said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I will call her woman, the original word in Hebrew was Isha. So 
Kaddish and Mekadashkim, which is sanctifier, and Isha, which is woman, under the new covenant of Christ, boom, Kadisha means sanctified woman. Hey now. <laughs> so sanctified woman or woman set apart for the Lord. So anyone with an I-S-H-A or Isha in their name, I encourage you to explore and ask God to reveal what um, he's named you in the spiritual realm. And you can use a Greek and or Hebrew dictionary along with the KJV Bible to, to just to do some digging. Um, I don't know why I stuttered there, but <laughs> do some digging, some research, um, or anyone for that matter. I think it's worth pursuing or researching. Um, but yes, that is how God does. Nothing is an accident. He's so intentional, even in naming us. I mean, talk about custom, right? So I was feeling myself, you know, with my new name, like, okay, I'm set apart for the Lord. Ow. And then several weeks later, <laughs> he revealed my own name in the spiritual realm. And y'all, I literally lost it. <laughs> so my name before Christ, thinking of the phonetic pronunciation, and you can actually look this up if you have a Strong's um, Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. It's number 6948 in the Hebrew section. And it's Kadisha. It's spelled Q-E-D-E-S-H-A-H. And in Hebrew, which, um, you know, it's, you know, does, isn't spelled the same, but pronouncing it, it's saying Kadisha, which actually means, get this, you guys, harlot. It means harlot. So that was my old identity before Christ. Is that not mind blowing? I mean, <laughs> that blew my mind because that was the identity I was under, feeling like a harlot, first for no reason, then actually <laughs> becoming one, I guess, <laughs> because technically a woman who is with a man who isn't her husband is technically a harlot. Um, yeah, that was a hard pill for me to swallow and admit. But Ezekiel chapter 16 is a good reference for that for anyone feeling defensive right now. It's not a personal attack, girl. I feel you. It's hard to hear. But trust me, I was her. So I get it. Um, but no, all jokes aside, that's why marriage is so sacred and, and sex is just such a sacred thing to God. So anytime someone said my name before Christ, it was literally a curse. Think of it as a label, like an identity in the spiritual realm. Of course, before Christ and really before this revelation um, this year, I wasn't aware of this, but we carry things in the spiritual realm, whether we're aware of it or not. So the accusations from the accuser early on, wrong assumptions during the birds and the bees convo as a young high schooler, which honestly became a word curse through those bitter seeds, um, came true for a time in college when I decided to wild out. <laughs> but praise God, I ran out of that grave with Christ. My old self died and I literally became new. But it wasn't until this year, 2020, that I started walking in the freedom, the redemption that Jesus purchased for me. I was granted this freedom five years ago when I first decided to walk with him, made up in my mind in 2016 that I wanted to receive this freedom to do things differently. But it wasn't until this year that I finally shed the lies and the darkness of my old self and put on the royal robe of pure identity, my pure identity. So through revelation and sanctification, my mind was actually renewed and my identity was finally restored and that bitterness was just met with Christ and washed away. I'd like to pause this episode to hear your input. 
So there are three options for us to connect. You can mention me on Twitter, at Kadisha White. You can also join the custom community on Facebook by liking the custom life with Kadisha White. Or you can email your feedback to custom at tclwithkw.com. What are your thoughts on the topic so far? So let's talk about sanctification. So sanctification is the process of being purified, washed, and perfected by God. And it comes after salvation. It involves coming to terms with our old life, having our eyes open to it spiritually, and really admitting that it was fallen and, and, um, and needs renewal. Um, so sanctification can come in the form of uncomfortable circumstances, through deeply uncomfortable and hard conversations, through our darkest heart's desires, manifesting themselves and us having to deal with the aftermath. It can also come through pruning and stretching. Even though it's beautiful, it can be painful. Um, But the beauty is, in all of its discomfort, sanctification is more proof that I am seen by God than, for example, than me receiving blessings, you know, because God is, you know, good to even the unbeliever. Um, So that's not a measure of Um, me being seen by God, but it's really me being purified and sanctified really proves that I'm his. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse five through six talks about how God's discipline proves his love. Um, Kind of like a good parent, you know, as I'm being purified and refined in my experience, I've become sweeter, more humble, more sensitive to God's Holy Spirit, more loving, gentle, and beautiful all because I've drawn near to the Father. I think of it as a washing, you know? What a wonderful act of service by God. Proof that he sees us, knows us, and loves us enough to make us better. A great example is in John. Um, You may be familiar with this account of Jesus with his disciples when um, he washes the disciples' feet. And I really see it as an antidote um, for purifying bitterness. And I want to read it directly. Um, This is John chapter 13, verse 2 through 8 from the New Living Translation. Here's the word on the street. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And that's the homemaker's gospel. Not the housewife's gossip. (laughs) And I think it's interesting that um, the moment he washes Simon Peter's feet is significant, as it's the only disciple here where the conversation is actually detailed out. And if you remember, Simon Peter is the one upon which Jesus said he would build his church, you know, his hands and feet. So I believe this was a special moment for the church to take note of. 
He says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And again, a father disciplines those he loves. Now, we're not talking about abuse because I know that's some people's experience, but correction, washing, cleansing is inherently loving. And so what a phenomenal example, you know, Jesus later goes on in that passage to compel us to follow his example. And what a charge. Imagine he got up from his rightful seat at the table, took off his royal robe and took the place of a servant by wrapping a towel around his waist to serve. So symbolic and amazing. I think in this moment, we see the antidote for bitterness meeting someone in love and serving and washing. And Judas was prompted to betray Jesus, perhaps out of jealousy and bitterness. Nonetheless, Jesus was an example of serving one another, not from our high horse or table of honor, but in humble servitude. And um, I don't know, I just think God is amazing. Like he doesn't withhold good things. He doesn't withhold his mysteries. He doesn't withhold his humility and his attention toward us. And I don't know about you guys, but that just like is so refreshing. It's literally like a washing. So I'm taking this message into my life because God can give us identity and meet us where we are to purify us and our identity And we can also serve one another as Jesus compelled us to. I mean, there are plenty of relationships in my life. I don't know about you guys, but where I can stand to humble myself more, you know, lay aside my comfort and my need for respect and be an agent for healing by lovingly meeting the needs of others in humble, kind service. So I just want to say a quick prayer. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you came to wash us clean and what a savior you are. So I ask that you help us to mirror your humility and love for the benefit of those around us. Anyways, that's all for today. Remember, the best life is one designed by God. So seek first his kingdom, live righteously, and all else will be added unto you. Be blessed.